Hi there, you're listening to Fintech Mix with me, Nat Barker. This is the podcast for fintech professionals where we speak to some of the key movers and shakers in the industry about their working lives. For this episode, we're very fortunate to be joined by Gavin Saul, who is the founder of Honcho. Gavin, hello. Thanks Hi, for boarding the fintech. I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for boarding the fintech mix train. Where are you speaking to us from today? I am sat at home just outside a town called Hexham, which is 20 miles west of Newcastle. Now, Gavin, can you start off by telling us just a little bit about Honcho? What's the business? What's your trade? Yeah, so we are an insurtech business and we operate the first real-time reverse auction marketplace for the distribution of insurance products. We are trying to disrupt the cozy and huge market dominated by the price comparison websites in the UK who try and encourage you as a consumer to buy the absolute cheapest product, uh, suggesting that that might be the best thing for your needs. Well, clearly, if you've bought most things, you, you'll, you'll know that the cheapest isn't isn't the best thing for your needs quite often. Uh, so we help our consumers understand what it is that they need in an insurance policy. We then run an auction for our insurance providers to present the best product back to the customer. We help the customer understand whether or not it is the best product by scoring it against what they said they needed. And then we allow our insurance partners to optimize their offer in, in real time through an iterative auction in which they can see how well their product responds to your needs as a customer. And they can see how well the rest of the market's products respond to your needs as a customer. And then they can optimize those products by turning features on or off or adjusting price, etc. And then at the end of the journey, we present back to our customers uh, a short list of really valid products rated by how they respond to the customer's needs. So the top of the list is the best one for you, not the cheapest, the best. And then we help them understand further and then go and purchase one of those products from our insurance providers. To start off very basic, you're based in Durham. Is that right, Honcho? Yeah, yeah. So we have an office based in Durham. Yeah, our staff are scattered across the Northeast. We're all still working at home at the moment, pending being released by the government. But yeah, we're, we're, we're a Northeast based company. I mean, Durham's a lovely city, but it's not necessarily known as a sort of tech powerhouse. Why there? Why, why Durham? Is it just a sort of a convenience thing for you because it's quite close to where you're from? Yeah, so I mean, we set up in the Northeast as a lifestyle choice. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know, myself and my co-founder have worked uh, all over the world. We, we've worked in London, New York, the Far East, Paris, etc. So to be, to be in the North is a, is a lifestyle choice, firstly. Why Durham? Well, we've had some investment, actually, from Durham County Council early in our journey. The office that we have there is a Durham County Council office as well. Um, so there's some convenient factors to being in Durham. At the same time, you're close to Newcastle, you're close to the rest of the major cities in the Northeast. You've got some great universities on, on the doorstep. Uh, so it's actually a, a really nice place to be based. Okay, uh, and I noticed from your LinkedIn that your job title, am I right in saying is Chief Honcho? Is that right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, you see, when you've adopted a sort of consumer-centric challenger brand like that, you might as well maximise it and have a bit of fun with it. So... So rather than being CEO, I quite like to be Chief Honcho. Um, well, I wondered if you would like to explain yourself when you had hench- head honcho right there in the palm of your hand and you chose to go for Chief Honcho. <laughs> well, you see, I'm the Chief Honcho of the company. The head honcho is you as the customer. So yeah, the idea is right, we're, we're a consumer-centric brand. We bring insurers to fight for your business, to fight to, to give you the best product right, for, 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 your, for your business. And because we're a, a consumer centric consumer challenger brand like that, we actually, with the help of, of our marketing and brand agency, came up with the word honcho. You, you the customer with the head honcho, you, you are at the center of the buying process and everything comes to you. So that's, that, that's where it comes from. And you mentioned that you know where the word honcho comes from. I had to look it up. Can you tell us where, where it comes from, the word honcho? 
Well, it's it's a Japanese team leader thing. I think that's the that's the original. You, you probably know better than me if you just looked it up. But it's uh... I've looked it up. So this is the this is what Google told me based on its etymology information. It comes from the Japanese word for group leader and was brought back to the U.S. by soldiers stationed in Japan during the occupation after the Second World War in the 1940s. So anyway, let's move on to the slightly more meaty bits. Tell me how it was that you came up with the idea for Hunt Show. What was the genesis? So, yeah, so I've got a background in technology and then financial services. I spent 20 something years working in trading functions, electronic trading functions for investment banks and hedge funds and the like, which brought home to me how... Price optimization works really well in an open, transparent, real-time marketplace, right? And from my point of view, I wonder whether or not that could be applied to other other marketplaces. So not just optimizing price, but perhaps optimizing product and features alongside price. Uh, my co-founder is a 30-year insurance industry veteran with a particular dislike for price comparison websites. And in essence, uh, you know, Honcho is the child of, of, of both of us. So you know, a dislike of uh, the problems in the, in the insurance distribution space, on the one hand, from the, from the insurance professional, uh, and a desire to bring that kind of open, transparent, iterative marketplace to to, to products beyond uh, core financial services. And so, you, you see yourselves as a sort of potential direct competitors to, you know, compare the market, go compare money supermarket, those sorts of names, which have kind of become very well established over the last decade or so. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a there's a space for us to live alongside price comparison websites. So, price comparison websites are exactly what they say on the tin right they are a mm-hmm. price comparison website and now, now we do a whole lot more than that right i mean we, we, we are a suitability engine a sort of value a value comparison engine right for customers to find the right product the best product so we're so we're really quite a different thing i think there's you know very much a marketplace for a subset of insurance buyers who just absolutely must have the cheapest right and and they're well served today by price comparison websites for anyone who's a bit more discerning than that, who wants to make sure that they're buying the proper coverage for their needs, you know, that's where Honcho as a value comparison engine you know, really starts to help them. So if I go into Honcho, what are the sort of things I get to make a choice about when I'm you know, building up my sort of ideal insurance profile, as it were? Yeah, yeah. So, so we ask you know, a similar set of questions to the price comparison websites with respect to the data that our insurance partners would need to be able to price your risk, to generate a quote for you. But then at the same time, we take you on a contextual journey to understand some what ifs. You know, what if this happened to me? What if that happened to me? Will I need these features in a policy or not? Uh, and then having done that, and, and you know, today it's 12 to 14 questions that will, contextual questions that we'll ask you uh, to help us understand what it is that you need uh, in a product. And then we share that with our insurance partners and then we rate their products because we, we, we know the details, the parameters of their products and what features they have inside them. And therefore we can rate them against what it was that you told us through that 12, 14 question set journey that, that you said that you needed. I think a lot of people have a situation with insurance where they, you know, they pay for their insurance, they have it sorted and they think that's it, I'm covered. And then when um, push comes to shove and they need to make a claim, they realise that actually maybe they weren't covered for exactly what they thought they might be or you know they're surprised um and disappointed to learn that their insurance won't cover them for yeah. what they needed to cover the, them for do you think that honcho is a sort of way around is, is a way to kind of minimizing those sorts of situations occurring yeah yeah i mean that, that, that's absolutely the case so, i mean we make sure that you get what what you what you need and we help you understand what you need by asking you these contextual questions i mean it's worth noting right that there's a big change going on in the insurance industry particularly this year right because the fca has been conducting its pricing practices remedies review and this year we'll be introducing regulation that requires insurers to price customers fairly 
So those sort of lost leading deals that you see on post-comparison websites, those kind of year one deals that disappear as you then stay with your insurer over time are set to disappear. So dual pricing and price walking is going to be regulated away. And at the same time, the regulator is encouraging the industry and will we'll start to, to, to produce regulation for it that requires insurers to make sure that they're producing products that have a fair value to customer. Now, Honcho reacts to and responds to all of that because if, as an insurer, you can see how your product meets or doesn't meet a particular customer's need in real time, and at the same time, you can see how the rest of the market is pricing a product that meets your needs at the same time, you can very quickly see whether or not you're providing fair value for a product. And therefore, you know, Honcho is well set to help the insurance industry deal with that new raft of regulation that's really going to change the way in which PCWs and distribution works for insurance. That's quite interesting because, I mean, I think that there's a bit of a, there's a perception, I think, that quite often tech firms and startups tend to come into an industry and be posing challenges for regulators in different sectors that they maybe not kind of puts regulators on the back foot and they have to kind of react retrospectively. And there have been some quite high, high profile cases of you know that causing potential issues i mean you know uber and tfl i guess is a great example of, of something like that but it sounds like kind of what you're saying is that you know honcho you see yourself as sort of being ahead of a head of the curve on some of the regulation coming down the tracks in comparison to some of the more sort of well-established traditional players in the space yeah i mean that's i mean that's very much the case i mean look it, you know it's not without challenge i guess that the honcho proposition i mean in the in the early days of our business we we had to meet with the cma on a couple of occasions and explain to them what it was that we were doing and why we were not a cartel price fixing website that allowed the the insurers to set prices between them you know obviously our model is is absolutely not that you know we, we have an iterative auction with transparency and a price can only ever go down so of course we're not doing that but yeah we've had to, to go and explain the new paradigm that is on show to to the regulators i mean the fca were very supportive of us we went through their innovation hub when we were building the proposition back in 2016 2017 and you know, they were able to respond to, to our questions to them and their questions you know, to, to us likewise. So we've had some good support from the from the regulatory bodies. And I think, you know, in reality, what's going on here is that we, we have built a proposition that is much more consumer centric. And in essence, what's happening is the regulation is catching up with that. I may be betraying uh, a gap in my knowledge about insurance here, but I wondered whether, just kind of pick up on something you just mentioned there, really, whether you think that there's a chance that the Honcho model could start to effectively drive down premiums for some areas of insurance where you know prices are perhaps you know slightly inflated by the market you know because providers are having to compete for compete to give you the best offer but not in a way where, but if for a more tailored offer than what is currently offered by the comparison websites does that make sense that's a sort of slightly garbled question if you know what i'm talking about <laughs> i think i have two responses to that i mean one price comparison websites have done a, an amazing job at at, at bringing the price down to the absolute minimum for, for, for insurance products for customers, right? To the point where you know, insurers are now really stripping value out of their products such that they can get to the top of the, to top of a cheapest price first list, right? So I, I don't think you know <laughs> we're going to do That's anything not your aim. Okay. To, to do anything help bring the price down. In fact, we're, we're really trying to do the opposite, right? If if a customer is more educated and more likely to buy a product that well suits their needs, they're probably going to spend a little bit more on that. On that product than they would have done and therefore we, we we are introducing better educated more premium buying customers to our insurers now where the second part of my answer is that 
because we charge significantly less for that service than the price comparison websites do to the insurers, potentially our insurers can save a bit of money in, in, in their distribution costs and share that back with the, with the customer. So you might be able to buy, uh, as, an, as, as a Honcho customer, a slightly better product at the same price as a, as a cheaper product on a, on a PCW, because our insurers have been able to save some of that distribution cost saving back with the customer. To go the other way then, how do you ensure, and you, you mentioned this is something that you've put thought into, how do you ensure that it doesn't, there isn't a kind of inflationary effect on, on premiums? The way the Honcho auction works is that insurers can optimize a product so they can change features that are turned on or turned off in a product and they can also play with their price and payment terms. That price cannot go up, right? So, so you, in essence, what happens as an insurer is that you put your first offering into our marketplace for Nats insurance policy, blind of what the rest of the market is doing, right? And then what happens is that we take all of those offers that have come into the marketplace from, you know, let's say 10 insurers for sake of argument, and we do all the scoring and, and we package up the pricing and payment terms details and we send it back to all of them, right? So whilst you're entering the, the auction blind to the rest of the market, you then get an opportunity to optimize your offering in the context of your understanding now of the wider market because of the data that we've sent you in real time, but you can only optimize your price down so it's not as if an insurer can say oh golly i've just undercut the rest of the market by 10 percent. i better put my price up you know too late you've already offered the best product to to, to the customer uh, you're probably not going to bid again because already you're offering potentially the best thing at the cheapest price mm. okay i see so in that sense it's kind of a more genuine offer that the insurance providers are putting forward and and the customers are you know getting to take a look at yeah indeed at the moment you're focused on uh car and van insurance primarily is that right yeah that's right so we launched in june 2019 very early launch in june 2019 with six we call them market participants but in essence insurance provider brands and then we launched a commercial van in september 2020 and we now have 44 insurance brand partners live on the platform we also have some particular tie-ups from multi-car with admiral for certain learner policies with Marmalade. And we've recently introduced a car care marketplace so that we can help customers look after their car life beyond just the buying of insurance. So for example, we will remind them when their MOT is due, we can offer them discounted MOT, we can offer them discounted warranty when their, when their manufacturer warranty comes to an end, and so on and so forth. Do you think that there's potential that this model could be replicated across other forms of insurance, home insurance, that sort of thing? Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. I mean, anything that is, from our point of view, anything that is electronically priceable in, in real time or near real time that can respond to a changing set of, of enrichment data parameters that is something that could sit inside a, a, a real-time reverse auction like ours. So, so absolutely, we would be looking at you know, home and contents, pet and travel, certain you know, SME, micro SME, commercial insurance products but equally, it could be energy or mobile phone or broadband, as long as the sellers of those products have the capability to price and reprice based on additional insightful data. Do you have any sort of specific targets 
for the future of Honcho, you know, in terms of diversification, maybe, or, you know, on the financial side of things, presumably you're not yet at the stage where you're turning a profit? No, 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 we're still early stage. So as I said, we launched 18 months or so ago. You know, we're on a funding ladder as well, right? So, so we, we will be doing another raise this year. Yeah, in the short to medium term, we're very much focused on motor. And, and there's a suite of motor products that we have live now and will bring live. Our primary focus for the next 18 months is on upstream user acquisition. So how do we bring customers to Honcho? Yes, we can go spend vast amounts of money on tele-advertising uh, or on PPC, but actually the way in which we, we are doing this is to partner with upstream marketplaces. So we've got a lot of conversations under the way at the moment with digital motor sales and motor finance propositions. So if you, if you have seen the change in landscape over the last 12 months or so, you would have seen that the motor sales, both new and used, is moving online and, you, and you've got some very high profile cases like Kazoo and Cinch, but you've got Kazam and Heycar and a bunch of a, a bunch of other propositions like that, all of whom take the customer on a journey to buy or finance a vehicle, but are also interested in selling insurance alongside that, that, that car transaction. So we built Honcho from the ground up to be it's fully cloud-based, obviously, you know, fully API enabled. And what that means is that you can integrate a Honcho insurance discovery journey into a car transaction and in essence add the whole lot to your basket at the end of that transaction. So we're very focused on these sort of tight integrations with upstream automotive and actually in financial services marketplaces too. These tight integrations that allow for sort of a, a really slick customer journey to buy both core products and sort of non-core affinity products like insurance for motor. You mentioned there that you're not looking at the moment to spend a lot of money on TV advertising. So does that mean you've kind of looked at the option of competing with price comparison websites and you're not looking to say get people to do voiceovers of small mammals with kind of uh, Russian accents or use portly opera singers with large comical moustaches or anything like that? No, no, we're steering well clear of all of the gimmicks. Despite having a sort of fun and playful demeanor, you're quite serious. We seriously want to help you buy the, the right product, not just the cheapest one. So, so, so no, we're not going to do that. Equally, you know, I don't have a couple of hundred million pounds to spend on marketing per annum today. So we don't see ourselves going head to head with those guys at all. You know, we see a huge opportunity in an ecosystem of marketplaces, right? Whereby we can offer ancillary insurance products to a core, let's say, motor sales or indeed you know, financial services. Because if you look at sort of financial wellness apps and the like right, that, have, that, that, that have great customer insight through open banking data, we can identify when a customer needs insurance and we can serve up a really good proposition in a really slick, integrated customer journey at the time that they do. So there's a huge opportunity to integrate upstream to bring customers to Honcho and at the same time to integrate downstream right, for, then, for us to then pass our customers Again, using the data that we have insightfully to be, to be able to work out when we market something onto downstream propositions. And you get a really nice sort of feedback loop of marketplace ecosystems in essence at that point in time. So do you think this the, the sort of honcho type model could become a little bit more mainstream in terms of the way that people access and buy insurance? Or do you think that, you know, do you see it more as a kind of slightly more boutique product as it were i mean look i mean this is where i could I, I could become a bit hyperbolic and say that honcho is the is the insurance version of klarna right so you know klarna brings you credit terms at point of sale right 
And, and in essence, that's what we can do for insurance products at the point of sale of a, of a core product. Right. So we will become much more mainstream through that approach than we will through very expensive teleadvertising. Okay. Now, Kevin, I'd like to ask you a little bit more about you specifically. How do you tend to spend your day to day? You've got stuff you're particularly focusing on at the moment. You know, what's it? What's it like, basically, being the founder and, and chief executive of a of a startup that's fast growing? Yeah, I mean, it's look, it's it's full on, right? The great thing about startups and, and early stage businesses is you get to wear a million hats. The downside. <laughs> It is precisely the same thing, right? So it's it's super interesting. You know, the, the variety of things that we get involved in as a team on a day to day basis is enormous, and that's you know that's very exciting. Look, it's also very stressful. You know, startups uh, have a habit of failing, uh, and that's and that's always a possibility. So you know, I'm very worried about you know, where's our next partnership coming from? Are we going to be able to get that, get our next funding round away? And there's well, there's you know, there's some elements of stress in that, but you know. All in all, it's a super exciting journey. You get to learn a great deal. I mean, my background is not in insurance, and I now know quite a lot about insurance. Some I wish that you know, some that I wish I didn't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been very educational. And yeah, a vast variety of different things on a day-to-day basis is the short answer to your question. I mean, it sounds very busy. Do you do you find it a challenge ever to sort of be able to balance your work and family life? Yeah, it's interesting. Actually, it's got a little bit worse in lockdown. So previously, you used to be able to bookend your day with travel to the office and travel back home and typically after travel back home you know regardless of how late I stayed at the office I wouldn't then carry on working the challenge with being at home the the entire time is that you never really step away from your desk so if I can just nip around the corner to the kitchen and uh, and then I'll find I'll come back again and do some more stuff so actually it's 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 been a, a greater challenge through lockdown to get that separation from work and look, you know, I mean, when you're building your own thing, you, you, you're always you're always working anyway, right? I mean, you, you don't really you don't really get away uh, get away from it. Um, so you have to have a bit of self discipline if you can. Hontro is not the first company that you founded, is that right? Am I right in saying that? Yeah, yeah, no, I've I've been lucky. I've done a couple of other things. The first business I set up in the mid '90s was a small boutique software house. I guess you would have called it a fintech if that word had existed back then but we wrote trading systems for for investment banks so myself and a couple of colleagues out at Deutsche Bank I'd spent a couple of years at Deutsche Bank before we left we left Deutsche Bank and we set up real-time financial management and as I say we, we wrote money market repo and equity stock loan trading systems for for investment banks and and hedge funds and then we sold that business to SunGuard in in the late 90s early 2000s. What advice would you give to somebody who feels like they've got a great idea for a for a a fintech startup or a, another kind of startup but just haven't quite got around to actually putting their shoulder to the wheel and starting the company yet yeah i, I mean absolutely go for it right because it's because it's enormously good fun it, you know it, it's it's more fun uh, than any other variety of job i've had certainly yeah, the startup aspects of it go you know go look for communities of like-minded people there's a lot of support out there actually you know accelerator programs early stage grant funding and the like that will that will help you along the way so get involved with those with those ecosystems and and that will make the journey significantly easier yeah but absolutely go for it what do you think constitutes a good idea you know what was the what's the test do you think of you know what's a good idea and what's just an okay idea yeah that's an interesting that's a very interesting question i think i read somewhere once that you can't just move the dial a little bit. So if you have an idea that that makes something 30% better, that's not going to work, right? You, you're not going to overcome the inertia of the original idea with something that's 30% better. You need something that's five times better than what's out there today to make a real go of it. So that's, I can't remember who wrote that, but it was, it, it's, 
it, it's, it's really the case, right? I mean, you can't have something just incrementally moves an idea because the incumbents will, will walk out all, all over. You have to have something that makes a real material difference. Is there anything that you know now that you wish you had known when you were first starting out? Yeah, just how long it takes to build partnerships with insurers. I mean, yeah, the challenge of the challenge of Honcho right, is we're, we're a two-sided marketplace. You know, on the one side, we've got insurance vendors, and on the, on the other side, we've got customers. And uh, yeah, you, you go and speak with insurers who, who like the idea because they don't really like PCWs, but they'll say, well, yeah, how many customers have you got? And before launch, you've got to say, well, none, because we're building this thing and you, you can't have customers if there aren't any insurance providers. So it, it's taken quite a lot longer than I, had, than I had imagined to conduct all the integrations with our insurance partners. So it's quite different to financial services where you know, there's a lot of standards in place, API standards and data standards in place for electronic trading. That is far less the case in insurance. And therefore, every, every build is a little bit bespoke and therefore you know, a chunk longer. And at the same time, you know, insurance is probably 10 or 15 years behind banking and the rest of financial services in terms of legacy tech and, uh, and tech debt. And that all takes its toll on time to market. Is there anyone out there in the fintech world that you especially admire? I mean, there's lots, right? I mean, look, Stripe have done amazing things in the US, right? I mean, you know, those two folks from Ireland have built a, an absolutely amazing company. You know, there's a lot of good stuff going on in, in, in the neobank world as well. You know, just in terms of that focus on customer convenience, customer journey, a relentless focus on those things makes a huge difference to, to, to the product that you're building. So yeah, and then at the same time, there's lots of great success stories in, in, in those kind of B2B and plumbing financial services businesses. So yes, I'm kind of in awe, particularly of the UK's capability in both fintech and and in tech. Gavin, I'm just going to finish off by asking you some quickfire questions. Is that all right? Can I do that? Please. A sort of varying daftness. Firstly, <laughs> I, I understand that you're a keen climber. Is that right? That, that's right. Yeah. You can probably see a photograph behind me. Yeah. What's the, what's the best place that you've ever climbed? My favorite place is a place called Fontainebleau, which is about an hour's drive south of Paris. So I'm a big boulderer and that's one of the best bouldering locations in the world. And I spent five years living in Paris and used to go every weekend. So, so I absolutely love it there. What do you prefer, a fancy restaurant or a takeaway pizza? Fancy restaurant. Do you have a favourite film? Do I have a favourite film? We've watched The Martian quite a few times with the kids. So that's probably top of the list at the with moment. With Matt Damon? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Are you reading anything at the moment? Beyond vast amounts of news on the web. No, not really. <laughs> do you have a karaoke song? I don't. I'm a terrible singer. So I'll okay. steer clear as much as I possibly can. Can I phrase it another way then? Do you have a, a musical guilty pleasure? Do I have a musical guilty pleasure? Well, do I? Pink Floyd, I think, I guess. Quite like now and again. Do Pink Floyd constitute a guilty pleasure? Do they constitute a guilty Well, I don't know. What would it be just... a guilty... This is a good question. I'm not sure. What is a guilty pleasure in musical terms? Uh, I guess a guilty pleasure is something that you really enjoy, that you're perhaps slightly embarrassed to admit to people that you enjoy because it doesn't have much cachet or is kind of, you know, considered to be a, perhaps a little bit cheesy oh, no i mean i really enjoyed marillion way back when i suppose that might be a guilty pleasure okay what did you want to do when you were a child what did you want to do when you grew up when i was a child i wanted to be a racing driver and when i grow up i want to be a racing driver last one would you rather have a dog's sense of smell but be furry or a bat's sense of hearing but have to sleep hanging upside down and why I, well dog definitely dog i, I mean furry is great right so i live in the north of england it's cold Fur keeps you warm and, and, and you know, 
all that blood rushing to your head, sleeping upside down wouldn't work for me. So definitely dog. Fair enough. Gavin, thank you ever so much for joining me and for being such a good sport. It's uh, been a pleasure. Thank you very much. And I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode of Fintech Mix. Uh, if you haven't already, I would strongly encourage listening to some of our previous episodes with other great guests or hitting subscribe on your chosen podcast app to make sure you don't miss what we've got coming up. Fintech Mix is a production from Say Hello to Audio. To find out more, visit fintechmix.com.